welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, former chronic illness sufferer turned trusted health practitioner. My passion is helping people to identify and address the root causes of their symptoms through my online business, Viva Natural Health. If you're struggling with confusing or stubborn symptoms that just won't go away despite your best efforts, then you're in the right place. If I can heal from a long list of symptoms and conditions, including cystic acne, hair loss, severe food reactions, and brain fog, then you can heal too. Stay tuned for weekly episodes that share expert guest interviews, Q&A, and solo episodes that are all intended to help you wherever you're at on your healing journey. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only, and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hello guys, welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing with you the findings, my experience with blood glucose testing. So this most recent experiment that I did was in January 2023, but I am no newbie to this. I have definitely done this couple of times before and I actually looked at the dates just to check and confirm and the first time I ever did it was 2019 then it was 2021 and now it's 2023 so just a nice period of time between each one and initially before that I had used finger prick testing which in today's episode I'm going to be talking about a CGM which is a continuous blood glucose monitor and it's kind of a Thing that you put in the back of your arm and it takes the stress out of having to finger prick your finger multiple times every single day which led to pain and black little dots all over my fingers so these are the future and even people with pre-diabetes diabetes are starting to use them but I have never been diagnosed with those things I've just been testing because I could get access to them and being the little nerd that I am I just wanted to see exactly what was going on with my blood sugar because I had signs and symptoms especially like previous times of blood sugar fluctuations I have a diagnosis of PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome so I know how interrelated glucose and insulin is to that condition I knew that when I felt when I ate more carbohydrates I didn't feel good and I just wanted to see what was going on so in terms of this episode I'm going to show what I found from this latest experiment the biggest things like the the most important thing that's had an impact on my results and kept me stable and for those of you who might want to try it for yourself blood glucose stability is important for brain function energy hormones especially conditions like pcos adrenal and thyroid issues sleep quality skin conditions like acne so many different things and blood sugar regulation is a real foundational step so it could be something that you're missing and in my 2019 experiment, I had some crazy fluctuations, um, which I'll come on to, and then things have improved over time, which is also correlated with how my health has improved as well over the past few years. This most recent time, the tracker that I used was a slightly different, so it's always been through the, the company, the actual product itself is the Freestyle Libre Monitor. And um, before I just ordered it directly from the website, there was a little bit of a waiting list to begin and um it is used for diabetics but i just said that i had blood sugar issues and they've let me purchase and i think off the top of my head to purchase through them so just the monitor for a two to four week trial 
I'm pretty sure it was around £150. So I paid that out of pocket. But this most recent time in 2023, I was actually gifted the trial along with the partner to Levels Health. So this is an American company. And I interviewed the co-founder, Dr. Casey Means, on the podcast back, I think, years ago now, like at least a year, episode 106. So she's the co-founder of Levels Health. And Levels basically partnered with Freestyle Libre to allow this device to be used with just general public. And they have a separate app. So previously, you could just see how how high or how low your blood glucose is and you had to make your own notes and see how much it was spiking. And it's just a little bit more work, whereas Levels app has just made it so much easier. It tells you when you're spiking too high. Um, they don't want to see a spike above 30 points after a meal. And they want you to keep your blood glucose around 120 milligrams per deciliter or less, one to two hours post meal, which is around 6.7 millimoles per liter. So these are the like differences UK to US. And it is available if you want to purchase after reading, listening to this episode, then it is available to purchase in the USA at the moment. And my link is in the show notes. And it is coming out in the UK later this year. So if you want to join the waitlist, it's the same link. I'll put it in the show notes. And, and if you're in the UK, yeah, you'll get a heads up when it's due to be released. But that episode, we talked about it. And um, because they're launching now later in 2023, they kindly sent me a, a trial to go ahead with. And I think because I had some issues with the app, so they sent me a little bit longer. So I, I did a good month in total in January. And I just learned so much. And I'm so glad that I did it. Um, but we also can't just rely on blood glucose on its own. It's a good tool, but it's it's not the most important thing on its own. We we can also use things like our body temperature, our daily bowel movements, our period every month as a, a check-in and a report card as to how our health is doing. Because you could easily keep your blood sugar really stable and low with no carbohydrates, but that's not going to be good for your thyroid, your metabolism, your hormones, etc. Or some people might eat a meal that's pretty processed and is made of like junk food, low nutrient density foods, but that doesn't cause a spike. So that doesn't mean that those foods are good for you. And that's why blood glucose is a helpful tool, but it's not the only one. And this initial time, so this was back in 2019 that I tested. I um, paid for it myself at that point, as I said, and I went through Freestyle Libre just to buy it off the website. I was I don't know if I'd already found out at this point, but I was living in mold at the time and I knew that I didn't feel good eating carbohydrates, even the healthy sweet potato, rice. I therefore just thought that a low carb diet was what was best for me and I just needed that long term to be healthy. But I actually needed to fix the underlying problems, which for me were the mold, mineral imbalances, chronic infections. They were the top ones, I'd say. Those things were causing me to have insulin resistance, PCOS, and therefore poor carb tolerance. It wasn't the carbs that was the problem, it was my body. And that's because minerals like potassium, calcium, and magnesium are needed for insulin production and transporting glucose into cells. Mold can literally affect everything in the body, and definitely minerals, but it can also cause chronic inflammation, which damages your cell receptor, the cell membrane making it harder for blood glucose to get in there and messages to be sent properly. And it also affects your satiety hormones like leptin and ghrelin, hunger hormones. They just get completely thrown off so your body can't regulate blood sugar or appetite properly. 
And then chronic infections like parasites and yeast or candida, they love sugar and glucose. I'm going to use those terms interchangeably throughout the episode. They're the same thing. So when you eat glucose and sugar and carbs, so do they. And when they feed, they produce toxic waste products that as a result can affect your metabolism and cause inflammation, again, damaging the cell receptors. So this is why when I'd eat some sweet potato and it was not a lot at all, and my tolerance has definitely improved since then, I was getting spikes to like seven, eight sometimes, which is extremely high. And then the second time was in 2021. I think I was still living, oh no, I'd moved at that point. So at least the mold factor was ruling out that I was still detoxing. So my results still weren't great back in 2021, but they definitely improved. And I was feeling so much better at that point. But this most recent time, I'd say overall, 90% of the time, my blood glucose was in a good range. And I was really happy to see that. And it makes sense because I'm feeling so good now. And I've addressed the real root causes of my illness um, and my previous symptoms. And I'm not in perfect health. And there's always things to work on. Health is not a destination it's a journey something that we're always going to continue working on but there were times that i would notice spikes and crashes and i'm going to cover what i think contributed to them and also what i did to keep myself in that they put it in like a green zone most of the time so um in some of the graphs when i look the next day so i would review everything the next morning and see what the previous day had shown and I noticed a few times that my glucose was crashing quite low when I was sleeping. It would literally go to like a three, which is pretty low. Um, and that also correlated with my aura ring, which I'm wearing here. It's a fitness tracker, if you're not already aware. And that would show that I would wake up at that time. So I was definitely waking up. Um, but I then realized some of the, the times it was just because I was laying on the monitor. because I, I went through the levels question and answer, frequently asked questions. And, and there was a video or an article on the results getting really low at night. So I looked into that and it turns out I was sleeping on my left-hand side on my arm and it was just disrupting the way that the monitor was working. So it's just constantly like tracking the glucose level in your bloodstream. And if you're lying on it, then the blood's not going to flow properly. And I was waking up with a dead arm, so that makes sense. But there were other times where I was actually crashing at night. And then I realized it was always after like the day after or the night after I'd had a big spike during the day and this could have been for a few things but I noticed definitely caffeine made an impact on my blood sugar so if, I, if I'd have coffee and this was more like coffee out and about so if I was at a Starbucks or a Pret they're my two favorite chain coffees um Pret is a bit better because it's organic but I, I do like, like the taste of Starbucks and if I'm out and about then I'm gonna have one but I realized caffeine and coffee especially would spike my blood sugar. And I don't have any sugars or syrups or anything like that in there. Um, I either have whole milk or maybe an iced coffee. So it was just, it was purely the stress and the caffeine. So I, I noticed when maybe I was due to record a podcast episode and I'd had a rush day and I was just getting on the call to, to chat with someone. If I was like a little bit stressed about the situation, then my, my blood glucose would spike. Or if like, I had to slam on in the car because someone was like speeding past, that would shoot up my blood sugar. And um, some exercise, if I was doing a bit of cardio, then this is normal for your body to mobilize sugars when you're exercising. Um, but even afterwards, I noticed that if I wasn't eating 
quickly afterwards, my blood glucose would remain elevated. And this is why it's important to, to refuel and replenish. But if I'd then accidentally got caught up in some work or got in the shower and left my my meal an hour and a half, two hours afterwards, then it would keep my body in a stressed out state. It just makes sense physiologically as well. Um, if you're not giving it nutrients to repair, it will start to break down your own tissue and mobilize glucose. And every now and again, it's not the worst thing, but if you're really trying to optimize things, it's something simple that you can really prioritize and make sure that you're organized and schedule in a meal after exercise. So if any of those things happened, um, coffee, especially like not straight after a meal, if I'm out and about, if I've done um, some exercise and not eaten straight away afterwards, or there were times that I'd be out at a restaurant and I'd eat like a bigger serving of carbs than I usually would, like gluten-free pasta or pizza, then it would spike quite high as well. And when I'd have that spike during the day, the next night, I would pretty much always have a crash. And that is also very stressful to the body. It's going to wake you up, disturb your sleep. So if that's happening to you, you've, you've tracked or you know that you're waking up multiple times to urinate um, in the night, then it could be what's going on during the day, which doesn't make sense. But if you're up and down all throughout the day with your blood sugar, then that's going to be carrying on into the evening as well. I also noticed that for me, carbohydrates work best post-exercise. So having that refueling, replenishing meal and also in the evening. So I do better on a lower carb breakfast. So I have my raw milk protein shake or smoothie, whatever you want to call it. It's got raw milk in there, cucumber, ginger, berries, um, some pea protein powder, vanilla. Um, it's got some herbs in there like cinnamon and maca. It's got quite a few <laughs> ingredients. It's got some tiger nuts in there, which are carbohydrates. And obviously milk has carbs too, berries too, but it's just not a big like toast or granola breakfast I, I don't do as good on that I just feel more productive and I, I tend to go to the gym after breakfast so I don't want a big heavy breakfast having a protein shake a, a liquid breakfast has worked for years for me and I just love it and look forward to it every day so in, in general carbohydrates work best if I time them post exercise so if I typically do go to the gym at like 10 11 a.m then I can time my lunch straight away afterwards and then really get into work at one o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday um, and start seeing my clients. And then in the evening as well, um, I, if I'm not at the gym that day or um, if I need extra carbs because I've done leg day, then I'd have a, an extra serving at dinner and that would help my sleep quality. And I realized, I, I've definitely known this before, but it's it's really opened my eyes to it again. Sometimes when you feel like your blood sugar is cr crashing, if you might have experienced this and I I hardly ever do anymore but there's obviously there's still the odd occasion but this used to be constantly like every day I would have the feeling like between meals I couldn't go longer than two two hours without eating otherwise I'd feel weak and jittery and shaky and sometimes it feels like your blood sugar is crashing and that's what people think but if you test it could be that your blood sugar is actually too high and it's getting too high and that can have a similar effect on the body and then it often is that what comes up must go down. So you would very likely spike, uh, drop later on in the day if you were to continue testing. But that feeling, um, maybe in that situation, the best thing that you could do is go for a walk and mobilize that glucose. And that's one of the best things I found if my blood sugar was spiking a little bit too high after something, then going for a walk would very quickly bring that down. 
in that situation, if your blood sugar is too high, that would be better than actually reaching for more food. So in that case, someone would think, oh, I'm feeling a little bit jittery right now. Let me eat a banana. And then it's just going to spike even higher. And you might feel okay in the, in the moment as your body is processing the sugar, but it's just not the answer. We still want to figure out why that's happening anyway. Is it that the, the meal that you had previously wasn't balanced enough? Did it have enough protein in there? Did it have too many carbs, not enough carbs? Everyone is so very different. Did you know that indoor air is typically more polluted and harmful than outdoor air? I wasn't really aware of the harmful effects of poor air quality until I found out that I was unknowingly being exposed to toxic mold that was making me really sick. Now I really prioritize what I think are the foundations to health, clean food, clean water, and clean air. It's not just mold that we need to be mindful of in our homes, it's the flame retardants and VOCs off-gassing from furniture, airborne parasites, pollen, dust mites, and bacteria. One of the best investments that you could make with your health is getting a high quality air filter that is strong enough to filter these things out and clean the air properly. Otherwise, it's gonna be our lungs filtering that stuff. Not all air filters are created equal though. So I wanted to share with you my favorite brand, the Air Doctor, or if you're in the UK, the Amazing Air. I keep this powerful filter running 24 seven to give me peace of mind that the air that I'm breathing is safe and supportive to my health. Check the show notes for links to save £200 on the Amazing Earth 3000 and up to $300 off the different Air Doctor models. I just know that you're going to love it as much as I do. Okay, let's get back into the show. I also realised that the order in which you eat your meal, your plate, it has a big difference. So I try to as much as possible because I'm quite a foodie. Um, now that I've got my tolerance back for so many things, I try to eat my protein and my fiber, my veg first, and then the carbohydrates last. There are just some meals that work better when you have a little bit of everything together. I know that. But if I'm just having like a pork chop, some potatoes and some veg, then I'm going to eat the pork chop and the broccoli first and then the carbohydrates last um, whenever possible. And as I said, walking after meals has made the biggest difference. And that was my biggest thing that I already knew, but it just needed to be reminded. Um, I even bought a desk treadmill because of my latest obsession of walking after meals. It, it's so impactful on keeping my blood sugar regular. This was the biggest takeaway from this whole experiment for me. And probably most people will have an impact. Because if you eat a big meal with carbohydrates, especially, and then you're just sat down at your desk, then all of that sugar kind of has nowhere to go. Whereas if you go for a brisk walk around the block, or if you're working from home and have the ability to get a desk treadmill, then just going for a quick walk afterwards, those muscles that you're using in your legs will help to soak up and absorb the extra glucose in your bloodstream. And then I also just started to realize if, I have an afternoon of clients and I'm going to be sat down for those calls just so I can really focus. Um, some calls I do walk on the treadmill with, but sometimes I just have a sit down because I could be up to like two hours on a call with some people. I don't need a big load of carbs before just sitting down on my bum for two hours. So I also like fluctuate it. So if I know I've got an afternoon of clients on Wednesdays and Fridays currently, then I'll have a slightly lower carb lunch whereas if I am out and about that day I've got a gym session I can do emails 
for the day or I'm working on a project, I can walk on my treadmill. I'm going to have more carbohydrates. So you can see how it's not set in stone. I don't have this routine and schedule that I stick to every single day. It can also fluctuate with my menstrual cycle. And you are more likely to be slightly more insulin resistant before your period. Because if you think about it evolutionarily, that is the time that we're potentially pregnant. Our body doesn't know at the time whether there's a baby in there or not. But to protect that potential baby, it will make your body a little bit more insulin resistant or less able to process sugar. So some of that sugar can be diverted to the baby instead. So if you track and like I did I, I track so I could see what's going on in my follicular versus luteal phase so the start versus the end of my cycle and I really noticed that hormones have an impact too and with the walking after meals and the desk treadmill uh, I posted a lot of this on Instagram and so many people were like oh my god where do I'm like a treadmill desk a desk treadmill influencer now um, but I didn't realize how sedentary I was before I thought just because I'm going to the gym in the morning for an hour and I have a standing desk. Like I do work stood up for a little bit of the day. But other, other than that, I am sat down all day. And I thought I was pretty active, but I'm not. If I compare myself to someone who's like a waitress or an athlete, they're moving constantly all day long, even a teacher. A lot of them are moving around and using a lot of physical energy, um, whereas I'm not. I work from home at a desk, so... Another thing with diet, another few things. So I've mentioned the caffeine and I haven't completely cut coffee out because I still love, especially my King coffee for all of the herbal benefits, the reishi benefits. Um, but I have swapped a lot more to matcha, even dandelion coffee, which is completely caffeine free and herbal teas instead. Um, you can also do things like apple cider vinegar before meals. But with my history of histamine problems, I prefer to do other things instead of that. But yeah, apple cider vinegar in a little bit of water. The raw apple cider vinegar, though, not the pasteurized one. That's where all the benefits come in. Having a shot of that diluted in water before meals can help your body sensitize glucose. Um, insulin has some uh, vinegar has some insulin um, sensitizing properties. And another big thing with my diet is that I realized I needed to or wanted to to support myself eat more fiber and this has really reduced over the years and I'm still eating quite a bit like probably more than the average person but I had been prioritizing more nutrient-dense high-quality animal foods as the star of my meals for the past few years but I've really let my fiber intake slip and I kind of forgot about it I just got used to having these types of meals and I don't have an issue with constipation anymore um and I found that adding more fiber in helped my blood sugar because that helps to slow down the release of glucose into your bloodstream if I think of myself years ago I was overdoing the fiber I think that's why I really reduced it because I was comparing myself to old me but old me had a ton of digestive issues and overgrowths and all of that fiber that I was kind of wasting my money on and was making myself worse with was just feeding the bacteria, the bad bacteria in there. So I just thought, right, there's no point me spending, I was spending a hundred pounds a week on organic produce. Um, so I, I'd rather spend my money now on the meat, good quality organic stuff, supplements even. So I'd, I'd still have a little bit of veg throughout the day, but 
adding in some chia seeds in my breakfast smoothie, for example, or an extra serving of mushrooms at dinner or some prebiotic fibers like garlic at dinner did help. And it's just reminded me that plants are beneficial. We don't want a diet with too many plants, especially if we have oxalate issues or yeast overgrowth and sebum. But that doesn't mean that plants are bad. And as you heal, your tolerance will improve. And there's so many benefits of fiber um, if you can handle it. And that will change and hopefully improve as your body gets healthier. And then for some lifestyle things, building muscle and strength training at the gym over cardio was always better for my blood glucose. And I really prioritize that now. I go based off my menstrual cycle. So wherever I'm at, I try to cycle sync. So like now I'm, I'm leading up to my period, should be starting in the next couple of days. So I've really backed off and I'm just doing more walking, stretching um, and Pilates. Whereas after my period finishes, up until ovulation, around that time, I really try to strength training uh, three to five times a week on average. And that has also changed as my health has improved because there was a good few years where I, I literally couldn't do anything. I just did some basic yin yoga twice a week. And that was that was it. That's all I could manage. Whereas muscle building now is a top priority for me and is something that I want to really continue with long term, not just for the aesthetic reason. I think when you have that muscle, it gives you that aesthetic that people want to go for. Um, not the really like rips look. That's actually very difficult to achieve. But when people say they want to tone up and have a little bit more defini definition, it's the muscle that leads to that. But I'm also doing it for the physical benefits, the anti-aging, the anti-inflammatory, the metabolic support, the bone support and protection. So I now strength train three to five times a week or wherever I'm at in the cycle. And I don't kill myself and push myself too hard. Um, I might cap the workout at 40 minutes or 30 minutes as I'm approaching my cycle, heading into that luteal phase. But always after... A strength training workout, I always feel so much better. And then I get a bulk of my carbohydrates in for the day. And then because the muscle helps you to absorb and soak up like a sponge, that extra glucose floating around. So if you're not already strength training, this is your friendly reminder that your current health will probably benefit from it, but also your future health as well. And sleep quality was the other lifestyle one that I couldn't, couldn't not mention. I am a big fan of sleep, <laughs> if I do say so myself, and I really prioritize it as much as possible. I know that I am a completely different person if I'm not sleeping. I'm not going to heal and stay healthy if I'm not sleeping. There's even been studies that show one night of bad sleep and they they categorize sleep deprivation as less than six hours. And I know so many people who who do that on the regular it makes you 30% more insulin resistant the next day. So you could be eating the most perfect diet and going to the gym, but if you're waking up at 4.30 a.m. to get in your gym session, then you're probably like working against yourself with that. And also with the hours that you sleep, just be mindful that you could be in bed for eight hours, but you're probably only getting like six to six and a half hours sleep by the time you get to sleep, you're waking up in the night. My aura ring again is really help me to see that and it's another tool that I do recommend as like a little gadget to keep your health optimized but I used to be in bed like when I was chronically ill for about 12 hours so I'd go nine till nine easily I, I could do more but I had to get an alarm to wake me up 
but I think because I was waking up multiple times and maybe I was having issues falling asleep, wasn't getting into the deep sleep, it was probably that I was only having eight hours actual sleep. And this is the number that most of us know is the goal, seven, eight hours of sleep a night. But just because you're getting into bed at 10 and waking up at six doesn't mean that you're having eight hours sleep. So just take that into consideration as well. So sleep quality is a top thing as well. I noticed that the nights that my sleep was, wasn't as good. Um, I had a, a, a night out within that time as well. Maybe went to bed at one, um, had a couple of gin and tonics and alcohol does affect my results too but I choose more things like the gin and tonic than really high sugar cocktails and all of that but for sleep quality I try to be in bed before 10 I want to be asleep by 10 because I feel that I could go to bed at 11 and I would feel a million times worse after that so yeah the earlier the better for me the sleep hygiene stuff I might have spoken about them before but just as a reminder blocking blue lights as much as possible getting out during the day getting plenty of sunlight winding down stopping work a few hours beforehand and um, some people do better with a bedtime snack versus not i tend to stop eating about two three hours before i go to bed so i stop eating at like 7 seven thirty, and then go to bed around half nine ten ish um, whereas some people do better with a bedtime snack at half nine but for me that didn't really support my body and it would actually spike my temperature and affect my recovery. So bioindividuality bio is absolutely key. And I would say based on this recent experiment, I figured in terms of diet overall, I do so much better on this higher protein, lower carb diet. It's definitely not a low carb diet and I could never thrive on something like keto. Um, but compared to some people and like the standard reference ranges for, for grams of carbs, they would consider my diet lower carb. I think I might be on like 200 grams, 150 to 200 average of carbs, whereas they might say 300 is absolutely fine, but not for me. And then moderate fat, I used to be way more high fat and super low carb and that did work at the time to help keep my weight a bit more managed because as soon as I added the carbs in, I would just blow up like a balloon. But I, I don't eat a ton um, anymore. And these days, all the hype in the nutrition and trend world is that we need to eat all of this ice cream and sugar and potatoes every day to be healthy. And that's a sign that you're healthy because you can tolerate all of that. But that's not true for everyone. And that might work for someone who is really healthy or is on the feet all day or a breastfeeding new mum, but not someone like me who worked from home, is moderately active and has a history of health issues and metabolic issues. And my current diet might change again in the future, and I'm totally open to that. And another interesting thing that I want to leave you on is that I had, it just worked out that I had another two weeks trial this, this time around this year. And I'd already got as much data as I wanted and things were pretty stable overall. Um, so I actually had promised my brother previously that he could use the levels um, monitor. And he had some very interesting <laughs> results that just shows you that you might look really healthy. Um, he's a gym manager. He strength trains. I'm like, not throwing him under the bus here. Like, he'll be fine with me sharing this. He trained for a marathon last year, but he did have to, had to pull out of that due to a knee injury. He's pretty healthy. He's lean. 
but his results now were like mine were in 2019 and his spikes were up to eight or nine and he eats still a pretty low carb diet he has a history of eating a carnivore diet so basically no carbs he's done that a few times because it helped with um a skin issue that he had at the time but i think he's just messed up his metabolism and i did warn him of this that the longer that you're low carb um and burning fat mainly the harder it is for your body to get back into burning carbs again it kind of forgets how to do so and i also think he's probably mineral deficient stressed he's done too much cardio he's changing that a bit more um recently since this experiment and he big the biggest things he noticed were caffeine and alcohol definitely affected his results he had a, a day where he was like pretty healthy with his meals but he went to the pub and had one pint of like lager or something and it spiked him up to like a nine which was the highest so he was like going for a walk trying to bring it down again but that just shows like the average person even though i really feel like my results have been crazy in the past we've not tested the average person so still in comparison i'm i'm probably still pretty good um definitely now so much better but still a work in progress there's always things to keep on top of but i don't have any symptoms of blood sugar fluctuations anymore and just consider testing yourself uh, because symptom wise he would have never known but he probably could feel so much better if these things were addressed. Sometimes you don't know how good you can feel until you make that shift. He might think he has good energy now, but there could be a whole nother level of great energy that he could access. And even if you do see some, quote, bad readings on your experiment, unless you are just eating too many carbs for your body and your activity level or not enough protein, you're not balancing your, your plate properly, then it probably is likely due to a deeper problem that needs to be addressed so these mineral problems um this toxicity thyroid stuff can interfere chronic stress maybe your sleep isn't great so please don't get fixated on the diet and just try to go super low carb or try to find the perfect combination of food because that's just going to cause more stress and affect your blood sugar so the links again for levels if you are interested to get on the wait list or to purchase in the us now along with the podcast episode with Dr. Casey that I mentioned earlier, will be in the show notes. And I highly recommend listening to it. And who knows, maybe I'll do another experiment in 2025. So that'll be another two years time. And I'm on this little timeline. And who knows, maybe the results will be different again. Let me know if you enjoyed this episode. I have loved sharing more personal ones in this season too. And I, I want you to know the information and the tools that have really helped me shift from chronic illness sufferer to where I am today, happy, healthy, and feeling better than ever. So have a great day, wherever you're at in the world. And thank you for joining me on the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would love for you to leave me a rating and review on your podcast app, as this helps to support the show and it allows it to reach more people with this valuable information. Come and say hi over on Instagram. I'm at Viva Natural Health. And if you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for tons more free resources and to discover how I could support you further. I currently offer one-on-one -on -one consultation packages if you want my top level support, then more affordable group programs and self-paced online courses. So there really is something for everyone. If you're ready to change and get some answers but aren't sure which option would be best, take that first step today and apply for a free enrollment call on my website 
and we'll discuss the best steps for you to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you back here next week for another episode.